Audio Parfait. And it's always supposed to be in like the 80s, upper 70s all week, so it's not going to get hot enough for them to just go to the shade, so they're going to be fucking everywhere. It's going to be horrible. The mosquitoes are going to be fucking horrible. They're always horrible. They're not as bad since I sprayed. Yeah, no, she sprayed the uh, the whole yard, killed the mosquito, didn't kill the fucking horse flies, apparently, that I have flying into my car. Could have been a deer fly. I don't know. It could have been one that was just hanging on during the entire ride home from work. No, if I watched it fly into my car when I opened oh. up the door. Well, I didn't do the entire side of that the house. I, I don't bug spray doesn't work with horse flies the same way it works with other bugs. They're kind of I don't know. They're they're too beefy to it really d- be It depends bothered. on the the but. spray and it wasn't the same spray I usually use and so on. Well, welcome to home and gardening tips from your hosts that open a fucking book. Oh. Uh, I'm Kevin. I'm Stephanie. Uh, didn't have any episodes last week. Had some... You can blame me. I had a status migraine that lasted a week. And then I had reprieve for a day. And then it came back for a day. And then today I was kind of migraine free. Mostly for well, the most part. Well, not headache free because you still had kids to. Well, no, I mean the, the migraine's work. still there. It's just dull. Yeah. So, I'm mostly migraine-free. Good. And today is a special day. It is. It is. Our, it, it, we're not going to get too mushy into it, but it is our the eighth year of us since we started dating. Our eight-year anniversary. It's the eighth dating. anniversary of the day that we had our first date. Yes. That was, you put it better than I did. Yes. So, today's a special day. And on Sunday, the day, so, so... Recording this on Wednesday. Today is our anniversary of the day we started dating. Sunday, the day after our big episode comes out, will be our wedding anniversary. Six years. So Sixth anniversary. It's a big wedding week for anniversary. us. Yes. It's a big week for us. September is a big month for us because we have our uh, the eighth anniversary of when we first began talking, the eighth anniversary of when we first met and had our first date and our wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. So big stuff. So let's get to the show since that's what everybody's listening for. They don't want to hear our family history. So just a couple news things to hit real quick since we didn't get to last week. I'll talk about a few things I didn't get to talk about last week. I know a lot of people have been waiting for books and a lot of the publishing schedules have gotten pushed off. Yes. Because uh, supply issues were disrupted for fall publishing. Uh, back in March, many publishers rescheduled large chunks of their catalog to fall to the fall and hoped that things would be back to normal, but they are not. And we are entering a very overcrowded season with the extra issue that the two largest printing companies in the United States are under significant financial strain. LSC Communications declared bankruptcy in April. And the company's sales fell nearly 40% in the fiscal quarter. That ended in June. 
Quad's book printing business is also up for sale, and in the spring, the company had to temporarily shut production at three plants due to the pandemic. To add to the strain, there has been unexpected spike in demand for print books with unit sales up 5%, comparing 2020 to 2019 to date. Comparing the most recent 10 weeks of 2020 to the same period in 2019, print sales are up 12%, driven by the demand for blockbuster titles, including new books by Suzanne Collins and Stephanie Meyer, and um, various books on Trump, because there have been a lot, a lot of nonfiction books come out. But Trump. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna think that most of it's because people want the prequel to Hunger Games and uh, they want Edward's perspective of Twilight. More than likely, yes. But there have been a lot of Trump books out. Some people I am not going to buy any, but some people do want to buy those. And there has been an increased demand for older titles on race and children's education books. Some of the older titles on race. We will cover on this Saturday Saturday's episode when we cover our first black author. So the issue is impacting reprints of existing books and schedules for new releases, a number of which are moving to a v- at very short notice to later seasons. For example, Nomph and Pantheon are shifting their release of more than a dozen fall titles, including a memoir by the cookbook cookbook author Deborah Madison and a biography of Sylvia Plath. Also fiction by Robert Harris, Martin Amos, Joe Nesbo, Alexander McCall Smith, and Tom Bissell. So if you're looking forward to any of those, there's a good chance that it's getting pushed back. The Sylvia Plath one, I'd kind of like to get, so we could use it. But um, it's all that, all that shit's getting pushed back a little bit. So if you're looking forward to those, you got to wait. Just like everybody's got to wait for everything. Yeah, that makes sense. David Copperfield, not the magician, the book, is getting a movie by Dev Patel. You know the, uh, you know Dev Patel? I'm trying to think of what he was. I believe he was the guy from Slumdog Millionaire. I was going to say Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, well, according to the Washington Post, the personal history of David Copperfield uh, is coming to this big screen. It's also going to star Hugh Laurie, Peter Capaldi. Tilda Swinton, hmm. Ben Wishaw, Rosalind Elazar, and Benedict Wong. We all know Benedict Wong as... What was his name again in the movie? Wong. It's weird. They have two Benedicts and one Wong. And his name in the movie is also Wong. So, um, so it looks like uh, we won't be able to see it for a while because it is only on a very limited release in if you had to guess where you're going to do a limited release of a movie where would you think you'd do it? the UK no it's it's in the US oh. you're going to do a US a, a limited US release of a movie Hollywood uh further east New York South of that. Northern Virginia. Okay, is that where Copperfield grew up or some uh, shit? Well, um, so it, it's not available for streaming. It probably won't be available until 2021. Limited openings such as these 
are not unusual in the run-up to the Oscars, which usually requires films to have been released in traditional theaters to be eligible. So more than likely, they're just releasing it in a few theaters that not a ton of people are going to go to just because of the pandemic. No point in shelling out all the money to put them in New York and Hollywood. Go to a smaller uh, area, less populated. Put it out in theaters there. You're still up for an Oscar, but you're not being blamed for trying to put people in the theaters during a pandemic. But they're opening theaters again. Now, this was from, um, you know, a week and a half ago. Oh. Well, they were opening theaters longer than a week and a half ago. Yeah, but they should. It shouldn't be. Little uh, editorial piece on how li- libraries can save the 2020 election. With mail in ballots, and people are weary about sending their stuff through the mail. Uh, states rush to adapt their el- election systems amid the coronavirus pandemic. Officials estimate that 80 million Americans plan to vote by mail this fall, twice as many as in 2016, because of Postmaster General. Louis DeJoy's decision to remove or cripple key components of American mail system just weeks before the election day and President Trump's open efforts to discredit mail and voting, millions are worried that their ballots won't be counted in time or even counted at all. There are more than 9,000 public libraries in the U.S., in cities, suburbs, rural areas, and small towns. In surveys, libraries rank among the most trusted institutions in America. They assist with the census and offer voter registration service. They are open to everyone. They are nonpartisan. They are free. Expanding early voting at local branches may be our best hope for trusted outcome. I mean, we have a place where everybody here, but we live in a tiny town, that everybody goes to to vote at the the big ballroom just outside of town. But... For a lot of other cities, you got to go to all these places that are cramped. Open up the fucking library. Use that as a voting station. Yeah, and I mean, some people open up their garages in big cities and stuff like that. Yeah, but the library is a trusted institution. Yeah, Both and- sides of the aisle feel comfortable going to it. I There's a lot of people in this town who's houses I would not feel comfortable going to to vote. Like the next door neighbors? Yes, and you know that. So, but most people would feel comfortable going to a library. So if, if, like, like with us, where you have to have the entire city go to one building, have two of our districts or two of our areas in the city go to that building, and the other two go to the library. There's five is there five? I thought there was four. There's five. Okay, we'll have three go to the bigger one and two go to the smaller one. Go to the library. I don't know. It was an editorial. I thought it was time, timely. I think that works. And last but not least, Bertelsman, owner of Penguin Random House and Harper Collins, interested in buying Simon & Schuster. I think I smell a kind of a monopoly. So Penguin Random House parent company, Bertelsmann, has confirmed that it is interested interested in acquiring Simon Schuster once Viacom CBS begins to again actively shop the country's third largest trade publishing house after the pandemic fades, shortly after Viacom and CBS merge. 
the newly formed company placed SNS on the sales block. At recent town hall meeting, HarperCollins CEO Brian Murray acknowledged that the publisher was also looking into the possibility of acquiring SNS. Sources told Publishers Weekly. So, the uh, biggest publisher and the second biggest publisher might buy up the third biggest publisher. Well, I mean, Harper Rollins and Harper, Harper Collins, Harper Collins and Penguin House—they're part of the same, yeah, publishing company. So, I mean, but any anytime we see one of these like independent publishers, and I go to look at them to see what else they have, it always takes me to another page, which is either a, a Penguin Random House page, a Harper Collins page, or a Simon and Schuster page. All of them. I, I rarely find an independent publisher that doesn't send me to one of those. It's kind of annoying because we want to promote the independent writer and the independent publisher. And every time we click on something, it takes us to one of them. Capitalism is finest. And if you want to do indie, if you want to promote indie authors, then you have to look for ones who publish themselves. And they usually do that online. Through- I, I found some. Over the course of doing this, it's just not as many as, as I would hope. But if you are an author and you get offered to be published or bought to be published by one of these giant publishing houses, then that's good for you because you, your book, hopefully, your book will get put out there. It's hard to do that with an independent publisher. So I mean, it's it's a double. You you like to see. These authors come up, get big deals, make a bunch of money putting their stuff out there. You also like to see the independent publishers make a bunch of money. So, you know, six one half dozen the other, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, well, you said you didn't really have any books that you had seen that you're interested in? No, none of the books that I'm wanting are coming out anytime soon. I mean, Tower of Nero comes out October 6th, so I still have almost a month to wait for that. And, um... Dorinda Jones's books, The Gravedar The Gravedigger's Son, The Graveyard Shift, not The Gravedigger's Son, The Graveyard Shift, is now available on like everywhere instead of just a few places, um, which was put on her fan site on Facebook. So I mean that's good news. But I mean, because of the migraine I haven't been reading lately and I've just now begun research for our Halloween episode. That I'm going Epis- to host. Episodes. It will be longer than this one, but yes. Okay, well, then I'll just do the four that I normally do and get the fuck out of here. Okay. All right, so as always, we start with our fiction called Daddy Stories by Emma Klein. An absentee father collects his son from a boarding school after a shocking act of violence. A nanny to a celebrity family hides out in Laurel Canyon in the aftermath of a tabloid scandal. A young woman sells her underwear to strangers. A notorious guest arrives at a placid, not-quite-rehab in the Southwest. In ten remarkable stories, Emma Klein portrays moments when the ordinary is disturbed, when daily life buckles, revealing the perversity and violence pulsing under the surface. She explores characters navigating the edge, the limits of themselves and those around them, power dynamics and families in relationships, the distance between their true and false selves. They want connection, but what they provoke is often closer to self-sabotage. What are the costs of one's choices? 
of the moments when we act or fail to act. These complexities are at the heart of Daddy, Emma Klein's sharp-eyed illumination of the contrary impulses that animate our inner lives. It's from Random House. Comes out in September. 288 pages. What do you think? I think it sounds interesting. So it's just a collection of short stories. Yeah. Like uh, Night Shift from Stephen King. Just a collection of uh, shorter stories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now nonfiction. Most of the nonfiction books are about the president. And uh, there was even one out that a lady put out about her rise and fall friendship with Melania Trump. So I figured that I would do one about her. So, nonfiction. The Little Guide to Dolly Parton, It's Hard to Be a Diamond in a Rhinestone World. By Orange Hippo. The ultimate pick-me-up to save you from the 9 to (laughs) 5. Heartbreak Blues. Get it? Yes, I got it. The Little Book of Dolly Parton is your Bible of devastating Dollyism. Yes, that's right. The most iconic and acclaimed female country singer in the history of music is so inventive and brilliant with her clever wisecracks and sage advice that popular culture has crowned her with an ism after her name. No one else is worth it. For more than five decades, Dolly has been laying down her own brand of whip-smart wit and wisdom to the world, with many quotes and quips becoming as famous as her lyrical genius, for which she has won too many songwriting awards and honors to mention. Stacked to the rafters were more than 150 bite-sized Bon Mott one-liners and Rip Post's sincere observations. <clears throat> the Little Book of Dolly Parton is your new favorite life companion. Like, I never think of myself as a star because, as somebody once said, a star is nothing but a big ball of gas, and I don't want to be that. Uh, or, the kids peed on me every night. There are so many of us. We slept three, four in a bed. I would wash every night, and as soon as I go to bed, the kids would wet on me, and I'd have to get up in the morning and do the same thing. That was the only warm thing we knew in the winter time. That was almost a pleasure to get peed on because it was so cold. So cold. Lord, it was cold in the room as it was outside. We bundled up to go to bed. And get peed on. Yes. And she actually talked about that in Playboy in 1978. I'm proud of my hillbilly white trash background. To me, that keeps you humble. That keeps you good. It doesn't matter how hard you try to outrun it. If that's who you are, that's who you are. I'll sh- it'll show up once in a while. So, it's uh, from Orange Hippo, October 2020. 192 books. It's in the Little Book of series. 192 pages, not books. I'm sorry. 192 pages. It's in the Little Book of series. No, I... W- I'm not a huge Dolly Parton fan as far as her music goes. Some of it's okay. Um, but I think she, as a person, is magnificent. She is. She's she's an American treasure. I, I don't I don't dig country music, but uh, I I love her. She's a, she's a doll. Yeah. But that's not what I was going to bring up. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm I'm thinking of writing a book, and I'm just going to put gibberish on each page, and I'm just going to put the title as. I have nothing to do with Trump, but I'm going to put Trump in big letters, and I'm going to send it to a publisher. I'm going to say it's going to sell a million copies because everybody else is writing books about Trump, and just as long as Trump's on the name, it's going to it it's going to sell big. It might. Sell big. I could put turkey on one page, pumpernickel on another. <laughs> so you're just going to pick a bunch of words he 
can't pronounce. Yep. <laughs> and just be, put it all together, bind it, sell it, and I will become a multi-millionaire New York Times bestseller number one. Yosemite on one, um, anonymously on another. I'll uh, even put freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy on one. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Gentlemen, have you grown out that beard? Or are you just starting? Well, if you're like me, you began to notice pretty quickly that the skin underneath all that hair can get pretty dry and flaky. And trust me when I tell you, beard dandruff sucks. And the people over the beard struggle know this and have made it their life's work to develop the best products to make growing and keeping that beard as painless as possible. Over time, the ingredients in their formulas have proven themselves, not just because their customers have had enormous success with them, but because they have worked for centuries. They use 100% natural ingredients, never test on animals, and promise a 90-day money-back guarantee. From the day and night oils, the shampoos and conditioners, all the way to the ingenious beard straightener. They have everything you need to tame that face fur, and I use them, my beard has never looked felt, or smelled better. Just ask my wife. So go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on our link in the show notes and use our new exclusive discount code, AUDIO15 at checkout for 15% off. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now and feast your face! So our kid's book is uh, Respect, Aretha Franklin, The Queen of Soul by Carol Boston Weatherford. Illustrations by Frank Morris. From a creative team with multiple CADCOT honors comes this vibrant, vibrant portrait of Aretha Franklin that pays her the R-E-S-P-E-C-T this Queen of Soul deserves. That was loud. Aretha Franklin was born to sing, the daughter of a pastor and a gospel singer. Her musical talent was clear from her earliest days in her father's Detroit church, where her soaring voice spanned more than three octaves. Her string of hit songs earned her the title The Queen of Soul, multiple Grammy Awards, and a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Aretha didn't just raise her voice in song, she also spoke out against injustice and fought for civil rights. This authoritative, rhythmic picture book biography will captivate young readers with Aretha's inspiring story. Anthonym Books, it actually came out in August. I was having a hard time finding a kid's book that I wanted to put on here because some of them were from bigger names. and It's only 48 pages. It's for kids 4 to 8. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, let's get to love Aretha Franklin. She's oh yeah, great. definitely. And that's a great song too. Respect? Yeah. Yeah. And our young adult called None Shall Sleep by Ellie Marnie. Silence of the Lambs meets Sadie in this riveting psychological thriller about two teenagers teaming up with the FBI to track down juvenile serial killers. Ooh. In 1982, two teenagers, serial killer survivor Emma Lewis and U.S. Marshal candidate Travis Bell, are recruited by the FBI to interview convicted juvenile killers, and provide insight and advice on cold cases. From the start, Emma and Travis develop a quick friendship, gaining information from juvenile murderers that even the FBI can't crack. But when the team is called in to give advice, 
on an active case, a serial killer who exclusively hunts teenagers, things begin to unravel. Working against the clock, they must turn to one of the country's most notorious incarcerated murderers for help. Teenage psych sociopath Simon Gutmanson. 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 Despite Travis's objections, Emma because, becomes the conduit between Simon and the FBI team. But while Simon seems to be giving them the information they need to save live, lives, he's an expert manipulator playing a very long game. And he has his sights set on Emma. Captivating, harrowing, and chilling, None Shall Sleep is an all-too-timely exploration of not only the monsters that live among us, but also the monsters that live inside us. It is from Little Brown Books for Young Readers. September, 400 pages, uh, ages 14 to 17. So, you know, 30 and 40-year-old women. Yes. Which, actually, this sounds like it's got serial killers in it, so this might be one of the very few young adult novels that I read. Because I love serial killer shit. And it's kid serial killers. Yeah, well, teenagers. They're... They're teenagers killing teenagers. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I'm sure my chemical romance would appreciate that, too. Yeah. All right, let's do the socials real quick. Okay. On the Twitter and Gram, we are at OpenAFING Book. I am at ECJBAT. And we are also at Audio Parfait. I'm Young ETAM6 on Twitter, Young ETAM. On Instagram, you can go to our Goodreads at goodreads.com slash audioparfait and see all the books that Stephanie has been reading. Um, we'll have up books that are coming out that we're interested in and the stuff that I have researched for past episodes of our Saturday series. You can email us at info.audioparfait.com. Let us know any books that you want us to cover, any authors you want us to cover. Um, what you're looking forward to to come out, if what you're disappointed about is not coming out till later because of everything getting pushed off, go to the webpage, audioparfait.com, and you can get all the episodes of this show, plus our Saturday series, and all the episodes of our other podcast. I know it's not real, but that hadn't hurt, where we cover all the wrestling shit that you probably don't want to know, but we're going to tell you about it. Again, come back Saturday for our author series. We are covering, like I said, our first black author. Some controversy behind him. I didn't really know anything about him when I started reading about him. And by the time I had gotten done, it was too late to change. So I was like, oh, I just don't want anybody to think, oh, well, you pick one of the most controversial ones to, to do it on. The first black author. I didn't mean to. I didn't understand. I didn't know anything about him personally. So. Um, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash audio parfait. Uh, any donations you give us goes back into making the, the show better, into getting the research materials that we need because shit ain't free. Don't say that fucking word. Oh my gosh. What, free? No. Which one? Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, please, wherever you listen to us, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Addict, CastBox, wherever you get your podcasts, rate us and review us. It really does help us know what we should uh, fix, what we're doing right. Go to your local library, local bookstore, help them out as much as you can. And uh, I think that's going to be about it. 
I think so too. All right. Well, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And between now and the time we can talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go open a fucking book. All right, guys. We'll see you. Bye, guys.